I mean, my guys aren't doing well. Well, no yeah, I, but up. that's because they're not good, mainly, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> y'all can still see me, right? When did you start saying y'all? Y'all? I, I don't know. When did you pick I, that one up? He's been talking to Mike. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can see. Okay, cool. Brandon Lau's up, so, you know, I gotta be uh, on my thing cheering him on. Isn't it Brandon Lowe? No, it's Brandon Lau. I, I thought it was Lowe for the longest time, too. And then there was a thing uh, in the, in the um, power ranking, ESPN power rankings, they were they had a thing pronounced, and, like, it was, like, you know, at the beginning of the year, everyone was, like, Vladdy, Eloy, but uh, Brandon Lowe, or, you know, Lau, and then they have parentheses pronounced L-A-U, like something, not L-O-W, like oh, the man. song. That sucks. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's nice. It's, it's kind of Asian sucks. sounding, you know? Dude, speaking I of... I actually knew a Brandon Lau in, in high school, uh, named, but he was Chinese, you know? <laughs> speaking yeah. of Asian sounding names, did you know Colton Wong is also not Chinese? Well, he's Hawaiian. He's Yeah, but like, if you look at a picture of him, he doesn't look Chinese at all. No. He looks Hawaiian. You didn't know that? No, but the Cardinals have Colton Wong and Paul DeJong, and neither of them are Chinese. <laughs> DeJong is a real throw. So that'll tell, uh, that'll tell you a little bit about the, the skill set that Zach Davies is working with. Right. <laughs> what, what, I'll, what I'll give him is that he... He's a, su- he's a sweetheart. He always he's a really sent, good guy. He sent Valentine's uh, to all the girls in his the class. Girl he wants from <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, he's definitely going to be like that guy... Who, uh, family? You know the family man kind of guy. Also have some. In, I also have some uh, some stuff about Tanaka's Twitter or Tanaka's Instagram history, which is good for the for the podcast. Uh, <laughs> oh, some nice. real some real insider stuff. That I'm excited. Backgrounds. All this quality content, but it's a good thing I've been recording. <laughs> oh, oh, baby. Oh, now I feel nervous. <laughs> What's up, guys? Um, we're back with another episode of the podcast. Uh, it's it's me, Lewis. It's me, Frankie. And it is me, Daniel Monroe. Uh, I'm Whoa. glad to be here. 
Thanks for having me, guys. Special Unlike guest. Unlike Mike Hogro, I did not do anything of merit to be on here. I just <laughs> text you guys nonsense every week when my players do well that you didn't like, and you invited <laughs> me on here. So I appreciate it. You have but, a fiery uh, to be here. and controversial personality. and uh, Yeah, very... I'm looking to be the controversial person. Like the, like the, the Alex but... Jones of our group. Oh, God. Please. <laughs> Please. I don't mean that. No, I know. No, I do say stupid shit, and I sometimes feel like the Skip Bayless, which is almost as bad as Alex Jones, to be honest. But, uh, but no, it's, it's uh, you know, we, we all just say these things because we, we're all obsessed baseball fans. Yeah. And, and um, you, so. you serve a very vital role in our league. I don't think our league would be... You know, even half as uh, as good without you. So for sure, yeah, of course, of course. So that's us yeah, broken you. It's to get you in the mood. Yeah. <laughs> we always have to keep it to three guys to fit the title. There yeah. was that one episode where you guys did it, you and Justin. Oh right? yeah, yeah, and we made sweet love all over you guys. <laughs> that was enough for two people, for three people. The listening to the podcast, I mean, is I think it's gotten better every week. Yeah. Um, so I'm definitely excited to be on here. Excited for what it's always been very competitive since I started here five years ago, and it's just cool to see what it's become. Cool that we all still have the same childish love for watching the game and all that. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, it's, great. it's crazy that as, as a few people like come and go, it still maintains that, that intensity because we <laughs> we do that. You know, the whole hazing ritual, we do the, <laughs> the induction process. Yeah. The yeah, Nick, like, he's still recovering. He, uh, he's definitely going to take some time. Nick is get getting bukkake this year. Um, what's oh, up, man, what's I'm, up I'm, Nick? I'm about to bukkake him this week, actually. So. <laughs> well, he forgot to podcast. start Anthony Disclafani already, so it's off to yeah. a great, great start. Yeah. No, it, it was a bad bad move, but I really don't think it's going to make too much of a difference. Ooh. A little, a little confident him. there. Tell it's, him. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. It's funny. Usually, uh, in order for Nick to do well, historically, in fantasy leagues I've been in with him, I really need to root against him. And, you know, now that he comes into this league where him and I are are the minority of non-Townsend Harris kids, um, you know, I've kind of found myself rooting for Nick a little to do well in his first year with this. And so I think that's really what's throwing him off right now. Why he has the lowest point total is just, I kind of want him to do well. Um, He is my friend. I'll say that. So like how you're rooting against Lewis's team. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for the blessing. Yeah. Thought I should tell you. I have definitely secretly rooted for Justin at points and Justin still wins. So I, you know, me rooting for Justin does not ruin him. Just, uh, Justin will win no matter what, basically. And, yeah, and I was rooting for Eric last year in the championship, so uh, I think he we did all pull through. It's very kind. Yeah, yeah. No, I think so, too. <laughs> all right. So um, I think what we're going to do this week is we'll try to do it pretty quickly, but we'll touch on the matchups from last week. And then, Daniel, you have you prepped a lot. You've got some nice, juicy content that uh, will be very fun to talk about. Um, Absolutely. All right, so let's go into the mashups from last week. Let's pull them up. All, th- all three of us coming off wins, uh, by the way. Yeah. Actually, that's a qualification for the podcast. Huh? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Frankie, though, with the, with the real scrappy win. I that mean, was the I, craziest comeback. I just assumed Jeff was going to go 4-1, and one, and then I saw it got close. And then to, to quote Lewis, I pulled it out of my ass. It was... Uh, do I say is that? that miraculous. Is that is that honestly? I yeah. When I saw Clay Buckholtz that last time, I was just like, "This is a 
this is a nightmare for for Jeff. I thought that was a, a sure negative point. All right, so do you guys want to start with that one? Because that one was pretty amazing. Yeah, start. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. yeah, it kind of led into that. My mistake, boys. Um, so, yeah, how did you feel, Frankie, during this matchup? Like, what was go- going through your head? Um, I kind of gave up a bit mentally <laughs> early on <laughs> in that matchup. I mean, I, you know, I was still making, you know, adjustments, pickups, and, you know, making sure I was starting everybody. But I didn't think that, I mean, it all came down to really that, that Saturday and Sunday. And that Saturday, I had 96.5 points. He had 48.5. So in my head, I kind of thought it was possible, but I didn't think it was going to happen. I mean, they I really relied a lot on Bregman this matchup. I mean, he really came through with first-round value and just went off going into the weekend. And then just my my like my pitching has been my 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 crux like so or whatever not crux I don't know what the right word is um your, has weak, been your weak point my weakness yeah uh, so far and they actually came through this week for the most part I mean Darvish is still a bit of a mess but um, people like Luke Weaver and Pablo Lopez like people I you know I liked when I drafted them are finally um, returning. You know some dividends there, and then Kikuchi had easily his best start during his his short time in the in the USA <laughs> so far. And those three plus my hitters really are what did it. I mean, even at the end of the day, my pitching still didn't do that well, as evident by the one hundred and ten point total. I mean, when when Snell shit the bed with his with his four four toes on his uh, foot, like I thought that I was done for pretty much because. But if you're not going to count, if your if your ace isn't going to come through for you, you know what what's going to happen. But yeah. I was happy that there actually was depth to be revealed. And, I mean, it's it's uh, crazy you you pulled it out without Snell actually doing even remotely close to well with his negative yeah. sixteen. Um, but I also thought it was really interesting that so so you won this matchup by seventeen points, and your free agent pickups, uh, Sergio Romo. And Griffin Canning, and was Sean Kelly also a recent ad? Yes. Yeah, they combined for twenty-five points. So that was kind of what did it for you. I think you, even though your pitching underperformed, you made some nice moves. And I mean, if we look at you know going forward, a lot of these guys have pretty good potential. You got two closers there because Leclerc got bumped out. Romo has been kind of an under the radar guy. Even going back to last year, he was pretty good. And Canning has this unbelievable strikeout potential. So, I don't know. I, I feel like even though your team started off really poorly, you got unlucky with a couple of matchups. The one where we played each other, you, you scored the second most in the league, I think. And I I just barely beat you. Um, right. But a lot of these guys that, that you've been holding on to are finally starting to pay off. Kikuchi did really well. Pablo Lopez had let – me, let me pull it up. So his ERA is currently, after this great outing, 4.03. His FIP is 2.8. So the guy's been getting pretty unlucky. Um, and on top of that, you also picked up Eikhoff. So you made a lot of moves with your team, but it's looking a lot nicer now. So Yeah, uh, that's a great point. So, something I'm noticing um, in looking at this matchup, which kind of I noticed similar into my own matchup with Ben, is Frankie had in total at-bats um, – Frankie had 244 <laughs> at-bats. Jeff had 194. Holy shit. Yeah. 
And their walks, Jeff had eight more walks. So Jeff had 29 walks, Frankie had 21. But, you know, I'm sure there were some sack, maybe some sack flies sprinkled in there. But, you know, that's a good 40 to 45 more plate appearances. And that really kind of makes a difference. Um, You know, and Frankie's just completely out hit him um, for for the week. He he had 50 more points total from hitting. um, And I definitely think those more at-bats contributed to that. Um, And I guess on the flip side with pitching, I mean, Frankie lost by 35, but he was probably down 60 going into that last day. And then the Pablo Lopez, Clay Buckholt swing really put him over the edge that last day. Yeah, that's an amazing catch. I I would never have caught that. But I guess that's an instance of you want those early hitters. You want those one, two, three guys because is Jeff's team lacking them or was it just a case of maybe scheduling or – it could, it could have been a couple of things. Um, you know, I haven't looked at, you know, kind of where their hitters are hitting, um, how much, you know, Frankie, Frankie maybe might have caught uh, his player not starting a couple more times than Jeff. It could have been a, a couple of different things. Yeah, scheduling too. I know teams like the Yankees, Diamondbacks, only played five games last week. Not sure. I'm sure there were some teams that played seven. So there's a lot of, a lot of things um, that could have factored yeah. into that. But but also going off uh, the earlier point, if you just look at where the uh, the teams are hitting tonight, because it'll show you in those little green bubbles. Um, Frankie does have green little bubbles. They're amazing. They're so good. That's one of the best <laughs> best changes from from ESPN to Fantrax. Agree. But Frankie does have a lot more one two three hitters than uh, Jeff. It looks like Jeff has a lot more. Uh, it's the Daniel strategy. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Sixes. Five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, it's it's interesting how many little little things like you know, and it, it's really just I think a good case of I'm not trying to toot my own horn. I'm just like managing your team, making pickups, and you know, little adjustments like me know me going, oh, I should put Jesse Winker in the, the last day on Sunday, and he hit a home run, and that was basically his contribution to my team that week. So yeah. just even having that guy riding my bench and just seeing that he was playing pretty well lately, and then putting him in for um whatever the matchup was on on sunday and then things like it's like i don't know how you know you can really avoid this but jeff is going in for both saturday and also sunday as well with just a huge lead and then looking at something like if you're isolating sunday if he had sat clay buckholds and all of his closers because rizzo iglesias got minus six he would have won still oh so, How much did Clay Buckles get in that last start? Because it shows negative eight. Oh wow, he got negative thirteen in that last. Yeah, yeah, it was, I know it was negative ten gotcha. at one point. It was it was bad. And there was six runs through a third inning. Wow, that's huge. That's so huge. it was Rizel too that pushed him over the edge. You know. Yeah, it was definitely a heartbreaker loss from from Jeff, especially if you look at his pitchers. They they did pretty well overall. Kyle Hendricks with his best start of the season. Chris Paddock had a had a good start. Um, Robbie Ray gave him a good start. Scherzer has been literally the most unlucky pitcher in the league. Um, I keep saying it's Garrett Cole, but it's actually Max Scherzer. Um, but Strasburg and Wheeler also had good performances, so it it's just kind of disheartening for Jeff. Yeah, I, no, Jeff does I, have a, Jeff. I do think Jeff has one of the better pitching staffs in the league, so it does I, make sense. Yeah, I was telling him that last week, and he was—I don't know if he was being, you know, uh, cute or whatever, but he, he was saying that he didn't think so. But maybe just because of the way they had been kind of performing in general, but just he drafted really well. Like just have Hendricks be such a, you know, 
Uh, I mean, Hendricks has had kind of an interesting season so far where he's gotten off to a bad start, and then the starts where he's done well have not been like, oh, this is my stable guy. This is my guy just all of a sudden going the fuck in for two starts. Right. But, um, but like, I, I love, like, that's always a great pick, you know, and, and, I, and I have faith in him going forward. And the same thing with Wheeler if he stays healthy. So um, same thing with Strasburg. But so there's a little, you know, health gamble with, with some of those guys. But um, and Paddock has the innings limit. But like, I think from when you look at like Ray, Ray, you can argue Ray is like his fifth best pitcher. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's pretty nuts. And like, you and me, yeah. Frankie, were talking a little bit about it this week. But I think it's kind of a testament to. So so if you think about Jeff, a lot of times at drafts, he doesn't end up knowing who a lot of the guys are after, you know, the early middle rounds. Yeah, but he always ends up with a competitive team, and I think that's because he knows so well from back when he, you know, when he won those three years, exactly the formula of how to draft a team. So he knows when to take certain positions. He knows when to go pitching. He knows when to take maybe like a shortstop or you know a first baseman. He knows maybe to wait more on outfield. I think Jeff understands when to take certain guys and uh if you throw darts in the same area like a guy like zach wheeler he took him what in the fifth right that just ended up working out though like wheeler looks like he's gonna have a good year and he's I, good at looking at the landscape and just assessing like the current value even if he's not too familiar with the player like i'm sure you know all it takes is a quick you know search a few clicks and you can compare a few people and he, he does a great job of that every year. Yeah, definitely, definitely always finds late round value. Um, you know, he'll, even if it's just googling kind of sleepers and such, um, <laughs> it's definitely definitely a noticeable <laughs> thing. I always I always worry when I'm drafting close to Jeff. Maybe a couple <laughs> years back, in that we both just really like younger players that are very unproven. Um, I, I guess I haven't been doing that as much the last couple of years, to be honest. Yeah, but I remember the guys. Um, there were there were a couple of players way back when, and um, even Paul DeYoung, who I had last year, he had this year, is someone who I knew Jeff liked, um, and I took him last year, and he wasn't very good. Jeff got him definitely at some value this year, and he's been he's been great, and uh, you know just just prospects in general. Yeah, um, I feel like he tends to go for I. Definitely thought Jeff was going to take Vlad Guerrero Jr. I was fairly confident in that. Um, and I guess Vlad fell past everyone because yeah, I thought Frankie got him way later than I expected him to go. Yeah, he fell way farther probably than him in like most, like 99% of drafts probably. Yeah. Like, um, But yeah, like I'm like looking at you know Jeff's team. I look at like the value with like Luke Voigt, like someone like, or even Brian Dozier. Like you could argue, like Brian Dozier's not having like, a phenomenal year so far, but just like to get someone who will go at like a fourth or fifth round, you know, value. I mean, and the other good thing is like when I think Jeff knows when he gambles, like, so Brian Dozier was a big uh, bounce back guy. He drafted him and it hasn't been working out at all, but he knows when to make his pickups to offset that. So early in the right. season, when there's guys who are just breaking out on waivers, he went, he got Colton Wong and Colton Wong's been, you know, pretty good for him so far this year. I don't know if that's going to keep going throughout the whole season or not, but Colton Wong already served his purpose just by being a little replacement. So, but um, yeah, so that was probably the most exciting matchup of the week. But let's take it down to the other end. Let's do your matchup, Daniel, against Ben and the Web Gems. Sure. Um, I guess just to analyze it, I kind of, that first day we both had, I remember we both had two pitchers. 
Um, and I thought his pitches were better than mine. He had Montez and Corbin, I believe. Um, to be honest, I forget who I had, um, but there, Montez and Corbin were definitely scarier. And I was fortunate to finish my soccer game and see that they neither of them did very well. Um, and after that first day, when we both had two pitchers, I had a fifty-point lead. Um, and from there, it just. I kind of had an oscillating lead um, throughout the week between 50 and 100 points. Um, my hitting did did very well. Um, also kind of similar to Frankie's matchup. Uh, I think where I won with hitting was that I had around 40 more plate appearances than Ben did. Um, so total I had, I, I beat him by about 50, it looks like, hitting-wise and 20 pitching-wise. Um, but pitching just seemed very close the entire week, especially at the end. You know, I felt like between Corbin's second start, Montez's second start, Castillo's, um, they they all kind of got in the teens at the end. So he definitely didn't make it easy at the end, um, especially after Ryan Brazier blew that save against against the White Sox. I was definitely concerned. I wouldn't, you know, while I was up the entire week, I wouldn't say I was confident until after my three pitchers on that Sunday, which are. Zach Davies, Jordan Lyles, and Julio Tehran, none of whom I, I fully trust. They all did well uh, for me, so I was very pleased with that um, to finish off the week and hold on to the win. So, yeah, um, I guess those are, those are my general notes. Um, you know, a lot of players on my team I've been very pleased with. Josh Bell so far has, you know, I've been fairly happy with that trade. Um, it's been been the one trade in the league, but I really think Waka's value as a pitcher is very replaceable. He's more than capable of having multiple bad outings, um, and I think I can replace him on with spot starts on the waiver wire, whereas I really needed an upgrade at first base or outfield. Um, you know, wherever I could, I could play Mancini, but I, I, would, I even think Josh Bell is better than Mancini right now. I'm definitely happy that I have him as a rock there and could kind of play Mancini uh, mostly in the outfield, but at first if Bell has off. So I know he had a good week, the uh, Marte and Escobar, they've both been pretty, pretty good for Arizona in these last couple weeks. Um, yeah, Bell, so, yeah. Bell is having a breakout year, I think so far. I mean, it's not, you know, uh, I like he, he's always been, you know, hyped for a while, but I think that, um, he, I think that was a good trade on your part because I think like a theme we're seeing so far just in this discussion and also just the year in general thinking of, of Mike uh, Hogbro's article too and just like what everyone has been writing about the year. Like pitching has just been super weird, like all over the place. A lot of guys we thought we could count on have just gone off to really disappointing starts or inconsistent starts and then hitting, we're seeing that these matchups are coming down to a difference of hitting there with just the you know, you got the 50-point gap in in points between you and Ben in hitting and just getting your guys out there, just making, seeing somebody's not starting and just, you know, putting someone else in. There's really very little risk with, with the hitting. Pitching you came down to the same, almost the same amount of innings uh, pitched. Um, so you probably threw around, you know, the same amount of guys out there, but um, you both hit the 12, the 12 starts. But just hitting, just like... Get the troops out there. Like let them let them go. Let them fucking strike out. Let them swing and just you can you'll get you'll get home runs. You'll get you know just as many hits as you will 
you know, any kind of a negative impact and it'll just be the most minor of negative impacts. You know, what's mi- minus five, minus 0.5 to getting the six points uh, from a home run that can come out of that. Right. No, I, I agree with that. And I really, I really do have to give a lot of credit to Lewis here on open, opening my eyes to uh, the kind of low you with hitting. I've definitely discovered you really want to try and go for a low floor. And, you know, while my guys are, are weaver, weaver pickups, they get, you know, when I generally have a lot of leadoff hitters, one, two, three guys who don't strike out, um, they've generally gotten me at least a couple points a game. Um, you know, I haven't had many guys that just put up zeros or negative games consistently. Um, if I, Honestly, the guy who's done that the most I've noticed is Javi Baez will have a game where he goes, you know, he'll be 0 for 3 or 3 strikeouts and then he'll hit a home run or have a two-home run game the next game. So, yeah. I, you know, I can tolerate that with Baez yeah. for what he does when he's on. You mean, um, I, I think you meant but, high floor, right? Yeah, what did I say? Low floor. I've been high floor, yeah. Low floor oh, sounds a little, like, more secure, right? Who wants to, I don't want to be standing on a high floor. That high floor like I'm going to fall off or something. Like, I mean, the player the player of Lewis is I've really, in his lineup, um, I really kind of, when he took him, I was like, oh, you know, like, it's an interesting pick. I maybe thought he took him a little early, but, you know, the more I see it is is Michael Brantley is, the, is like, I think, a really good type of late five guy, um, assuming he stays healthy. Those are just like the type of hitters you kind of want in your lineup. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just hitting in general. Like, it, it's deep. If you, you know, if, if you if you search and just can get those guys where it just adds up, where it's like, you know, I, I need to fill this void. There's probably like eight guys on the waiver wire that could probably get me like a couple points per game, whether it's riding a hot streak or it's just what they do. But like with somebody like Brantley, it's like, it's it's that that Astros syndrome. Like I, like I like your Wade Miley pickup a lot uh, too, and I don't mean that in any way because <laughs> I, dra- I drafted him and then dropped him. But um, but like you just like you're finding stable guys, you know, and that's what you want to look for. And just with Brantley, like you're like, oh man, if if he can just stay healthy for a season, like he has that you know kind of elite hitter uh, pedigree within him. So it's just like. I think that's what, you know, Lewis was thinking there, which is like he's inserting himself into a, well, he's getting inserted into a really powerful lineup. You know, there's a lot of opportunities there. So it's just thinking of the whole picture with uh, some of these hitters, you know. And uh, yeah, he, he, lineup. he's a great player to compliment, you know, pitching a pitching heavy team that is Lewis's team. You know, he's not going to lose Lewis the game. Well, yeah, so I mean, like that, that was, and we could switch over to my matchup, but that was kind of, um, what I was going for when I was building my team was kind of just trying to get as as good pitching as I as I possibly could because um, it's always a headache when you don't have good pitching and the waiver wire is thin and you're streaming guys like I don't know uh, who who's out there Sam Gaviglio right like that's a that's a rough boat to jump in and and really feel confident about winning the league um, and I definitely didn't have a perfect draft the guys like Murphy probably went a little too high. Um, but overall, it's uh, it's it's been really good for me. Shaw Shaw has actually probably been my worst pick. That guy's been hot garbo. But um, with outfield, my my main reason for for waiting so late, and um, I I would encourage other people to just look at you know the top scoring outfielders if you sort by all on uh on just players on the players tab. 
there are so many good outfielders who all have like over 90 points. Like if you go to the first page, near the bottom is Adam Eaton with 92 points. Like he's been a good outfielder. Jason Hayward yeah. above him. I don't know, all these guys, you know. And then you look up at a guy like Juan Soto who's been he's been very good. He's probably not been as good as Justin had hoped for so far, but he's also been injured, so you don't know how long he was playing yeah, he's with only, that. His only, only great week was against me. <laughs> no, I, I agree with that point in general. I I got a little carried away because last year I kind of went with that same exact strategy of like wait on outfielders. It's a very deep league at outfielders, and my my outfield was Cespedes, Jay Bruce, and. Someone else that was terrible. I was. And that's funny because I was. Three of them were miserable picks. I was today. literally about to say, if you're going to wait on outfield, you can't draft a guy like Jay Bruce to be. Bruce, a Bruce was great. I thought. I thought that was a great signing by the Mets uh, when they got him. Coming. But just the type he was, of he was player, a consistent thirty hundred guy. But how many strike? Like that's the thing with if you're going to wait on a position, you want to get a guy who's. You either want to take a guy like uh, Vlad Jr., who has the potential to be, you know, a, a first rounder next year, and the only reason he's low is because he's unproven, but he clearly has the talent. Or you want to take a guy who's not going to burn you, like Eduardo Escobar, right? If if you had to wait on shortstop and you came away with Eduardo Escobar, you're doing fine right now because Eduardo Escobar is a productive player, even though you got him in the 18th round or whenever you got him. But yeah, so. For for this matchup, in terms of uh, highlights, it was actually a really good matchup. Me and Galumbo were close all week. Um, my team had its worst performance by a long shot uh, this week, and it was kind of, you know, the narrative here was my team was human because a lot of my pitchers who were, I've been relying on uh, got blown up. Like Musgrove got very lucky, uh, very unlucky, I'll say, but he got he got destroyed that game. Peacock did not get so unlucky. He just straight up got destroyed. Um, I dropped Rourke, but, you know, he's got a little negative three. And then you don't see it here, but Kenley Jansen on that last day gave up a grand slam blown save for for negative 14. That was really close because I was only up, I want to say I was up something like 25 points with having no players left. And Galembo had both Wainwright and Quintana who through the first four innings were looking like they were gonna they were gonna do it for him and, and win the matchup, and then luckily for me, right before I had to watch Game of Thrones, uh, Adam Wainwright kind of gave up a couple of runs so I could just fully enjoy Game of Thrones. But um, but yeah, I was sweating a ton this matchup. Um, and, and it, yeah, you, you look at look at your pitchers and you still see you know who gave you the most points. It's still that core you know that that group has just been rock solid for you. I mean, you just you were having. You were having stability and security from like one to seven in your <laughs> rotation. Yeah, yeah. Like, so, and but you still got it from one to five, basically. I yeah, mean, it was much. it was Cole. It went Cole Bauer, Granky, um, Bieber, Bieber, and Caleb. And, yeah. So, like they, those guys still uh, came through for you, and you, um, and then you have the, the save monster. Shane Green just keep, keeps on rolling along. My close, my outside of Shane Green, and I, I thought maybe Hogbro cursed me on that last podcast episode because my closers <laughs> did pretty poorly outside of Shane Green this week. But I want to point the true MVP of my week was Anibal Sanchez getting <laughs> the weirdest start I've ever seen, where he got me 15 <laughs> points but only went 4.2 innings. 
Give up, I think he gave up a lot of hundred runs. He gave up. I I want to say he gave up two that I saw at least. Yeah, it was, it was like a real rocky like thirty something pitch first inning. I think, yeah. and then it's just. He had a lot of strikeouts, so that's also going to blow up his pitch count. I didn't watch the game, but I remember. I remember I saw that. I was like, kind of. I was kind of like, oh man, Lewis might lose because the the Nationals are getting killed. And then I saw all the runs were under. And like, yeah. he has nine strikeouts. I watched that first inning, and that. not to just protect my boy Anibal, but he did get screwed over by two horrible errors that would have ended the inning. Um, right. But yeah, no, I I got this one by the skin of my teeth. And if you look at Galumbo's team. He uh, his closures did really well. It was kind of uh, th- that's one of the reasons that made that it was so close. He got twenty two from Vasquez, seven from Osuna, thirteen from Diego Castillo. Yeah, Castillo was a was a recent pickup too, wasn't it? No, I think Castillo's been with him the the whole way. Honestly, he's oh, just wow, he drafted him. Yeah, yeah. it's just been a, a strange. It, it's been a pick that's been great, but it was strange because I don't think a lot of people knew of Diego Castillo before. I don't even know if Galumbo knew of Diego Castillo before he drafted him. But yeah, at least he chose the closer <laughs> this time. Which was he even the closer to begin this? I don't. Was, I think it was, was Jose, Jose Alvarado. Alvarado was the, yeah, I, I think yeah, it was Alvarado one. was, and I kept the Rays. Uh, uh, what was it? Ben had Alvarado, and every time the Rays were up, I was like, "Oh man, here's a save opportunity coming for." Alvarado, and he never did anything. Really. <laughs> he pitched an inning or so, but it was like three, four points. Is was... well, good job yeah. there. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, Mike just Mike said some like as as shitty luck as 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 some of your pitchers Lewis have had in, in their starts. Mike has had with just his pitchers in general and their their health. And basically, Mike is going to have a heart attack himself. I think just throughout. <laughs> This season, with with the amount of, of headaches, with the Grom who seems to be okay again, but uh, then Paxton having the the knee inflammation, yeah, and who knows well. if that's just going to be a repetitive issue with whatever else is probably going on in that guy's body. And then all of a sudden, it felt like it felt like that people were just falling, and then all of a sudden, Tyone just hit the DL, yeah, like the out IL, of nowhere, like he, yeah, like you said, out of nowhere. So, um, what what looked you know, he would look so great. I mean, it's funny that Ryu <laughs> is his second best pitcher from from the matchup. You know, yeah, uh, he's already you know had an injury himself. So I thought the uh, most interesting thing about uh, Mike's week is that it felt like his hitters were very dominant. Like I just remember Matt Chapman just constantly making me regret taking Travis Shaw over him. But um, if you look at it, he did have extremely dominant performances from some. But then it looks like so many guys were just not playing this week or something. Like, if we if we don't look at catcher, right? Hosmer got twenty, uh, Albie's got almost thirty, Chapman got you know twenty five, Dahl got around twenty, JD got around twenty. No, it's weird. And yeah, that's it. I mean, he had he had more at bats than you, and it just looks like it looks like he almost didn't play half of his lineup. Yeah, still. yeah, like, I don't know. these guys just. Like someone like Simeon, who was having a great year, and uh, Castellanos, who was like a hit machine now and then. Like, uh, just they didn't they didn't do anything. Real Muto was quiet, and and, and even I, even more than them, his shortstop position got him three points this week between Seager and Rosario. So I think that that with Mike's team, if he could get a little more high floor guys in maybe those spots. Because these other guys clearly have good ceilings. Now, obviously, don't go and, and drop a guy like 
Corey Seager, but if he could find a guy who will get him 12 points a week for each of those positions, he'll probably have an easier time winning matchups going forward. Yeah. Um, right. Do you guys want to hear something funny? Sure. Diego Casillo is in this in the game in the seventh inning. <laughs> so think, maybe maybe Alvarado is going to get. I think they kind of do a closer by committee thing. The the Rays yeah. do everything by committee. It seems like they're just they have a wonky setup, but it, it works. works meta now. Really yeah, works, it so. does work. Um, all right, so let's pivot from from this matchup. Let's go to uh, let's check out Justin and uh, and Hogbro, the, the crush and the Melonheads. Right. Um, I I know just Justin's team seemed to be doing very well. Well, he, um, yeah, he dominated. He did, it, he did it with pretty much out Yelich the entire week until that last day. And Soto. Um, and Soto. Uh, yeah. And even uh, Verlander had a subpar start on Sunday. Yeah. So uh, where did where did Justin go right without those main guys? Well, his pitching uh, got 224 points. His hitting was nothing to scoff at either because they got 175 and a half points. Um, I don't know. This was the week. Uh, Syndergaard's like incredible start was this week, right? Yeah, this, yeah. This 30, thirty-seven, 30, 37 points. points was the one. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But this was Justin's like perfect formula. This is when everything is going right for Justin's team. This is what's going to happen because he's got a couple of really high ceiling guys on his hitting, but overall he has very high floor guys. Like a lot of you don't see a lot of zeros here. Um, you see a guy like Tommy Pham with a high floor of 15.5 points, right? And then you're seeing that ceiling, Adalberto Mondesi with 36. That was a, a pretty great week for him. Yeah, and Cruz, even with the, the 10 strikeouts, like he he followed you know the math there for, for Nelson Cruz, that even with the 10 strikeouts, he still gave 20 points because he hit his two bombs, and he got, you know, he still mashing it so it, it, it kind of evens out yeah there yeah he just comes up and he's either gonna strike out or he's gonna smack the shit out of the ball and hoskins also did really well but the guys who really i think make justin's team consistent are the guys if you look at like mike moustakis and justin turner and even yadi molina those are those are the type of guys that we're referring to with high floor where they're getting you yeah you know 15 to 20 points a week but they're doing it every week and it's because look at the strikeouts between those guys Turner had three. Moose had five. That's a bit high, I guess, for him. And Yachty had two. So, Yachty's like the safest catcher pick you can make yeah, every year. Yeah. Until that guy just decides to stop playing baseball. Like, he, he's going to do that every year, most likely. Yeah. And, and, I, think, I think there's so many kind of safe catcher picks. I kind of, you know, it was talked about last week um, with Hogro. Uh, just think, I don't know, I... I I forget the full t- what the conclusion of last week's podcast was, but you know, while I agree that taking a guy like Molina is, you know, he's always going to be fine. He's a great player, a Hall of Fame player. Uh, you know, even beyond the fantasy game, he's even better as an actual player with just how he is at handling new pitchers and such. But you know, I think I think I do agree that position value is always overreached with the catching position and in the scheme of just overall offense, I don't think Molina is a great fantasy player. Also just something I find interesting about Justin's team in general is he really way more so than anyone um, else I noticed just took the same, well, so many of the same guys he's had for years. The only one I could see as kind of like a fanfare ordeal is, is John Gray. And I mean, John Gray is a, 
is a good fantasy pitcher in a lot of ways. He gets a lot of strikeouts and such. But, you know, taking guys that did well for you in years past, I feel like is just a, a fantasy don't do. And Justin does it, and he succeeds with it. And it's it's frustrating for all of us, but um, it's it's really interesting how he continue. He's had Justin Turner every year. And, you know, Justin Turner is a good player. He always hits for a good average, always always has a very high floor. Uh, but it's just interesting that he's done it more than anyone else. Yeah, I mean, these guys must consistently check off all the boxes for him. You know, and like there's, there's, there's definitely reasoning in there. And then he's going and he's like doing whatever kind of formula he does. And then each year, you know, these guys seem to, to meet that criteria um you know i think i think it like it's like the most expected unexpected assembly of people did lewis freeze uh no i'm here i'm here oh, okay. yeah I, you guys have been freezing up but i could hear you the entire time so i mean you know hopefully it freezes on a super attractive uh open mouth next time because <laughs> right now i just have a blurry lewis but uh but yeah Frankie, the lighting where you are is just incredible. Me and Lewis, it looks like we're <laughs> in these pitch black caves, uh, just hibernating away. And you just have this like glamour look. Uh, <laughs> I guess this isn't uh, a visual. There's no visual component to this. So yeah, next time I won't do my makeup before. <laughs> yeah, Syndergaard came through. Verlander, despite, uh, I mean, even Verlander was just still good. Like Verlander's been the best pitcher. Uh, he's, he's just incredible. I don't, we'll get to that. We'll, we'll get to everything. That. Yeah. And, yeah, and Hater and Hater has just been uh, like when when did Justin get Hater in, in the draft? Hater's uh, been a great pick. I well, I tenth tenth ish round. I'm round not sure 12. exactly. Twelve. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, no one was sure he was going to be the closer. I mean, even even so, he's he's still a, a great pick just for what he can provide. But he's just been. He's not only been closing games, he's been coming in for like two innings, like an inning and a half and just striking everybody out. He's just been ridiculous. So on the flip side, if we turn over to Hogro's team, because Justin's team clearly did well, I'm not really sure we could give Justin any advice going forward. His team is looking uh, <laughs> it's looking great. Um, and I guess he's just got to hope that the, the thing, the, the baseball universe keeps working out for him. Um, but if we look the at... Rest, the rest of us have to hope against that. Just keep drafting Justins and draft the same people every year. That's, we, that's the advice. If we look at Michael's team, his hitting did pretty decent if you look at it. The pitching really let him down. He ended up scoring 275.5 points, which is interesting because he does usually score around 300. He was 25 away from it this week. Not crazy, but I think this kind of goes to what we were saying last week with if, if he doesn't have closers – and and it goes, I guess, a little beyond that. But the way that he set his team up, he kind of doesn't have that super high ceiling potential where I'm not sure if he can win the league with this formula because he'll inevitably, as you know, teams get eliminated and it's playoff time, he'll face teams that have the potential to put up 400 points in a week. And even though his team is so consistent, 300 a week probably isn't going to cut it. Um so what do you guys think if you look at, at some of his pitching performances? Obviously, a guy like Derek Rodriguez did poorly, but it's interesting to note he's, he still has no relief pitchers. I know that closing that closers are are a volatile 
position in general, relief relief pitching is is volatile just in so many ways, and just being able to just come in and just completely get shattered and get you a lost, blown slave or whatever, and just by nature, just how it's like a revolving door of, of people that can come in and out. But just looking at Justin and just seeing Hader and Will Smith, I mean, you know, you could say that this is a uh, you know, extrapolation or whatever here when you're just looking at that and and trying to to say that this is a good way to, to set up your team. But just for that, for those two guys to be his third and fourth highest scoring pitchers, and that's just that just shows where it's everything is a gamble in this, but to be able to go into the draft and kinda of lock in, you know, two guys, at least two guys who were like pretty sure things for closing, just you know, you can, you know, shit can happen, but it's just, there is the safety that comes with it that you can kind of go into every week, knowing that like your starters can go either way. Sometimes, especially this year, you know, uh, aces can, can have, can have their stumbles, but just for, for closers, they can come out like three or four times in, in a week. And then maybe they'll have one kind of clunker within that, but then They'll shut the door, and that's an easy seven, eight points or something, yeah. you know, and that, that adds up. If they do that twice, good. that's a good start. And the interesting thing is that his his mindset of avoiding extreme volatility by avoiding closers doesn't translate to the pitchers he he's rostering because if you, if you look at a lot of these guys who he's holding on to, presumably, you know, instead of a closer spot, he's got guys like Kyle Gibson, Jake Junis. <laughs> Joey Lucchesi, Eduardo Rodriguez, Derek Rodriguez, Carlos Rodon, Matt Strom. All of those guys are pretty volatile. Yeah, Sale should be his safest person, and Sale uh, has had a very weird year, but finally seems to be riding yeah. the ship. I mean, with but Sale, it's kind of hard to fault him for the Sale pick. But I'm no, curious no, course, to know the course, reasoning behind, like- behind him taking these specific starting pitchers, because if he's trying to avoid risk, a guy like... Jake Junis throws, you know, meatballs down the pipe, and sometimes the guys miss them, and sometimes they smash them over the the wall. So. Right with his with his hitting, he really, you know, was able to to get that kind of safety blanket there. But just, yeah, I mean, I think that's a good point with with, with Erod and and you got young guys in there, and just to, from your your second Flaherty was his second pick overall. Yeah, second overall. Yeah, so. Uh, you'd think that he would apply, you know, that that same kind of uh, logic into just, you know, avo- yeah, avoid as many relief pitchers as you want, but bolster with a little more, you know, uh, with, 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 with starters who have job security. Right, right. Um, I think it's worth mentioning, just touching upon again to remind everyone, Mike, the Mike Clevenger injury might be the biggest starting pitcher injury to start the year, with the exception of Severino, who, you know, when Frankie knew him, Frankie took him, thought he was going to be out shorter than he was. But, um, you know, Clevenger, I mean, he he looked really good those first yeah. that first start of the year, and just, you know, kind of the way he's developed in that uh, with the Indians and just in the A, being in the AL Central, consistently getting to face you know, the White Sox, Royals, and Tigers, you know, that I think is just, that could be costing him a 30-point swing a week. I mean, you know, to to have to replace a guy 
a guy of his caliber with guys like Judas, Derek Rodriguez. I mean, he's it seems like he just was unable to avoid the negative starts. And then looking at his roster, I it just seems like he he had a bad week, and that's that's kind of kind of what it is. I don't I don't see anyone that really overachieved, but you know, Cano has been underachieving from a fantasy standpoint all year, if you will. We want to look at hitters. Um, Cano got him two and a half points last week. Uh, oh, he was he was hurt a couple games. I forgot he got hit. He got hit by a pitch, but. Just in general, um, I mean, his lineup, I think, is, is he has a very solid lineup. His hitting isn't going to be his downfall. Um, you really you really have to look at pitching. And, uh, you know, if, if you know, certain guys like Glass now has kind of replaced, you know, the Clevenger production of sorts. But, you know, if, he, if he's – he definitely, I think, has a higher ceiling than uh, like what, what's been talked about uh, – with with y'all are giving him and such. Um, sorry, I'm, I'm a little stuffy. But uh, Flaherty, no, Flaherty, um, you know, he, he had a very interesting start against the Cubs. I mean, he only got nine points, but he looked dominant for a time. He just gave up that one three-run homer to Rizzo um, and wasn't able to lock down the quality start, saddled with the loss. But I think Flaherty pitched a much better game than the nine fantasy points would indicate. Um, and just other guys um, kind of hurt him down the line. I mean, regardless of how much better he did, he wasn't going to beat Justin this week. Yeah. Uh, Justin's team did a lot. But in general, I mean, he's he's a better team than a 275 team. I, I see this as, you know, if I had to – I remember last week, I believe it was 306 was the number that Justin gave um, Hogger's team. I, I think maybe a little higher than that I could see, maybe like a – 315 average with a, you know, but I definitely think he has 350 point potential, um, yeah. especially when Clevenger comes back if he's solid. Yeah, those are those are good. Um, and, you know, if I guess touching upon everything in general, at one point last week, towards the end of the week, I took a screenshot of the standings, and I believe it was, uh, you know, Hogbro, Nick Miller, myself, Frankie. Um, oh, uh, Squirtle Sluggers, Jeremy Mannheim. We are all separated by 20 points in the 1600s. So it's it's been very close in that middle of the pack, you know, behind Lewis yeah. and Justin and in front of Nick Morano and Ben. Um, it's been very, very clustered there. Um, so, That's you cool. know, everyone has a lot of a lot of room, you know, maybe someone will break away from that middle pack. And yeah, such. Pick, pickups are probably going to be integral. But all right, so let's let's transition over to the uh, Murano Verrazanos, and I'm not going to say Eric's team name versus Eric. Um, <laughs> honestly, Eric, you gotta you gotta find a good team name sometime. But uh, uh, I, I don't think it was too bad, other than the Manny. Like I just don't like that Manny <laughs> at the so, end. It's, it's just, so it, bad. It makes it just not. It went from like kind of being. I don't know. It it's just terrible. rolls off the tongue in a very weird way. It's Correct ter- me it's if so I'm bad. wrong, but the, the genesis of this team name is that he had the the first good chunk of it, and then Lewis, we were like, we were sitting together, and he was like talking to Justin on the on the phone, I think, and then he we we, we threw that out there. We threw the <laughs> you never go back and then just we just said the last part we just said put Manny at the end and he was like he took a moment we there were was a kidding pause, though we like, were so basically the whole point of us making that joke was that Eric your team name is so bad you should just make it even worse 
<laughs> the saddest part is that Eric heard the suggestion and was like, no, I love this. I need to do this. And then he did it. And so now we have the once you go Blackmon, never go back Manny. So, so yeah. Um, oh, said, said I wasn't going to say it and I said it. But yeah, so so Eric's team overall was was very polarizing. His his hitters did incredibly this week. His pitchers did pretty caca sucia. Um, well, I think it's time to address the elephant in the room, and his name rhymes with Schmick Schmorchmallow. <laughs> Schmorchmallow? Come on. Ooh. I don't so, know who I'm talking about. I do think while, while we're on the topic of team names, it does, I do think the Marado is is just incredible. I'm so happy he didn't change that. It's probably out of just not being able to think of something. No, no, no. So, so here's this, the thing. He, he put you Nick, no, 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 no. Listen, listen to this. Nick 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 neither named his team nor put the picture. I named his team for him because I wanted him to keep the name. He left it and then Justin found that picture on Google Images and made okay. it his logo with commissioner powers. So I just thought that was funny. And he accepted it. Well, I mean, I don't know if he's accepted it or if he's just <laughs> given up on life because he scores 200 like points every team, week. Yeah. Um but yeah, so if we look, I think we should focus a little bit on on Eric's, you know, the discrepancy between Eric's hitting and pitching. Um, his his hitters who have most surprised me, Edwin Encarnacion, has had a, a really solid year so far. He's hit a bunch of homers. I don't know how much. What, what does that surprise you? Just I mean, given his history, you, you I feel like he's one of those guys you kind of know what you're going to get. Um, every year. So the the reason it surprises me is because last year he started off for a good portion of the year. He was really bad. And then he ended up finishing pretty well, but he had a monster second half, I want to say. Um, and I figured that it was a pro- – and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but even though he had a good year last year, I think it was in decline compared to the, the standards that he had set. And I – I figured that that was probably a product of some age deterioration, but apparently not. Uh, also, he went to Seattle, whose ballpark is huge. I definitely didn't think the Mariners were going to be this good this year, but um, they're not very good. They they got off to a hot start, but they're really not a very good team. Encarnacion's been he's been a monster. Yeah, he's he's one of their best hitters. I, I think. I mean, their lineup's fine. Um, yeah, but uh, you hating on I my boy Domingo? You hating on my boy Big Sunday? <laughs> El Domingo? Nice. No, he, he could be fine. I don't know. I, I literally, I've seen you know he was with the the Brewers and the Mariners. I've I haven't seen him play too much. I'm sure he's you know he has potential. That's I know we got off to a really hot start. I but, I mainly uh, just wanted to say Big Sunday on the podcast. <laughs> um, cool. But yeah, so the other guys that did really well for Eric, you got Machado, Blackman, George Springer, Puig did did well. Uh, Alex Gordon has been an amazing pickup for him. But yeah. all in all, this has been a week where I'm sure when he drafted his team, he was hoping for this type of production from guys like Machado, Blackman, who hadn't really been delivering it and finally did for him. Yeah, Machado made the most out of the two, a 200 average for the week. Just yeah. those hits that he had <laughs> were... Where four of them were four out of the six were bombs. Do you, do you think this? Uh, I know, I know. Uh, he played shortstop this week with the Tatis injury. I mean, do you think he really? There's some psyche there, or do you think that's just you know coincidence of sorts? 
Um, I don't know. I, I feel like he's probably going to be um, – well, actually, no. If, if we look at his 2019 positions, he's got nine starts at short. So he's one away from gaining uh, shortstop eligibility. Right, well, he's probably going to – unless Tatis comes back tonight, he's probably going to yeah. get that shortly. Would so that be – coming back tonight? No, 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 he's not. Oh. He's still in the deal. Yeah, I'm saying unless he jumps, but he's not. And, and that would be huge for Eric because right now, is his starting shortstop Kike Hernandez? It looks like. No, he dropped Hernandez. Um, Who's his starting shortstop? Who's his new? Yeah, it's... Well, he's going to... It's going to be Machado, whoever it is. Yeah. Um, And then if we look at Eric's pitching, it breaks my heart to point out the top scorer with 50 points, (laughs) Rick Porcello. I I forget if I (laughs) talked about him last podcast. Maybe I didn't. Maybe I gave him the week off. And this is what he does when when I let him off the hook. But um, yeah, yeah, I think you need to go into him every week. Yeah, you I had mean, your finger on the pulse. I did, um, and and clearly I, I missed it. He had an insane start against Oakland, thirty three points, and then he followed it up with a start against the White Sox for seventeen. I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say those teams were just shit in the bed that day, and that uh, Rick Porcello still sucks, and that this week he will only get six points. Six point prediction for against against the Seattle Mariners, who could be smoking mirrors like Daniel is. Oh, they're going to torch him. Porcello. <laughs> they're going to torch that. I boy. think. I think when looking at pitching matchups, they they kind of so Mariners are in the middle of the pack. Um, I think I've had a couple starters pitch very well against them. I know Lester had his big big outing against them, and uh, someone else on my team pitched well. I mean, Tanaka's pitching against them tonight. He did fine, even though they. They hit him much harder than his fantasy point totals will, will show. Um, so over to next team. Uh, didn't do so hot. No. Yeah. His pitchers did abysmally. His hitters did slightly less abysmally. <laughs> so if you um, look at the hitters, there's some there's some good points to talk about. So Zuna's been, been great. He's mm-hmm. got back to old Zuna. And Bogart's had a good week. Uh, Davis I mean, has had a good year. Yeah. No, I think Nick has some guys, um, you know, just kind of like everyone has yeah, has some, some guys, guys but he doesn't know how to bottom it out. I mean, I think, you know, I'm playing him this week, so, uh, you know, hopefully he's not listening to this, but uh, I think it's time to give up on Jake Bowers. Um, you know, there's certain players you just see in his lineup. I like the Danny Santana pickup. I, I also looked at Santana. Um, you know, I think Donaldson's seven. Donaldson's better than that. Um, I'm I'm honestly surprised at the year Marwin Gonzalez is having. Um, he really, he really, I think is just a good player, and I I'm surprised he's not producing. Dude, Marwin Gonzalez was trash last year. <laughs> I had Marwin Gonzalez, and he sucked. Marwin Gonzalez Man. had a really good year two years ago, but that was his only great year. I think that Marwin Gonzalez has been overhyped since then. It used to be, well, when I drafted him last year at least, it was because he had, like, position eligibility at every position. But he's right. just he not. Says it this year. Yeah. What, what about this Paul Goldschmidt guy? You think he's trash? Goldie has had actually one of the weirdest years because he started off doing really well, and overall yeah. he's been super disappointing. Um, I don't know, yeah, I don't know what it is. Most of anybody. This week. Yeah, he finished with a big zero, 10 strikeouts. And that kind of shows you why the, the high floor guys are valuable because I, I'm i pulling this one out of my butt. But um, 
If you look at a a guy like Justin Smoke, I don't know what he got, but I'd imagine he got more than zero this week, even though his ceiling is not what Paul Goldschmidt's is. Um, He at least got Marvin Gonzalez on him. So, that's... Yeah, Arietta's been his rock this year. Yeah. And outside of... Outside of him, Arietta's he's had good. some... I think, I think he also had some a couple other value leads. Sonny Gray's... I mean, he did have a great week, but I did like that pick when Nick made it. Um, I think Sonny Gray was someone who I was interested in taking in late rounds, you know, maybe as a redemption story from completely ruining my season last year. <laughs> but, um, you know, I do think with the... A new team. I think he's, you know, obviously a better pitcher than he was with the Yankees. Um, I think, uh, you know, in all honesty, I mean, Kluber got hurt, but I was, I, you know, I know you guys weren't very high on Kluber uh, going into going into this year. I still had Kluber as a top five pitcher, though. At the probably, or maybe I had him as like five six. I forget. I actually had my top twenty starting pitchers with me, which we'll get to later. But um, I really did. I did see Kluber. Maybe not. Uh, my top three. I had uh, Degrom, Scherzer, and Verlander. I don't think Kluber was in that that cut. But um, I definitely he just stuck out like a like a sore thumb. Just in if that you looked group. at Kluber's advanced numbers, like the FIP, the Sierra, the XFIP, they they were among the worst. Same thing with Nola, actually, and. It, not to say that these saber metrics are always going to be, you know, perfect, but this year they look like they were very telling. So, I mean, that's why it was easier to avoid guys like him. Uh, yeah, I mean... On top of no, the Cooper uh, injury... I'm not quite sure what it is um, right now. Price also went down, um, kind of also out of the blue. He uh, has elbow tendonitis. He's not supposed to be out long, but that's definitely damaging to Nick's team. Although I'm not no, sure, sure it would have really mattered much. It looks like Nick has a lot of work to do yeah, on this I team. Mean, I, I think like his rotation as a whole, like guys like Arietta, Gray, and the recently acquired Walker are like decent guys to have at the end. But then just the top is just very risky, injury-laden people. I know what happened to Kluber was just you know kind of a freak thing that happened, but. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's had his share of health troubles, too. This is so. not Nick Marano's year to win the league. Um, I don't think I'll that. go out there and say it. Nick's not winning the league yeah. this year. Um, yeah. I so, don't know. I don't know. I, give him, I think he's a sleeper. You're a good friend. Um, yeah. So let's move on, on to the last matchup. Uh, Squirtle Sluggers versus the Hillwood Black Sox. Definitely, the more, definitely notable as the, uh, the last matchup. I mean, this was a... I mean, both of them really deserved to win. Yeah, they um, did. And I felt really bad. Nick expressed some frustration on the slack. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, I think I, I, Nick's team is just very interesting to me. I mean, uh, you know, looking at it, I mean, Nick's hitting, oh, man, his hitters, he had some. Both these teams had amazing hitting. The big difference yeah. was that oh, Nick's pitching was very good while Jeremy's pitching was amazing. So. Yeah, Udorizzi is really looking like a steal for, uh, yeah, for Mannheim. You know? been and I, I do. I, I remember with the draft, I mean, I think they were the two that went hitting early more so than anyone. I mean, neither took a – I know Nick didn't take a starting pitcher until the fifth round. Yep. Um, Jeremy did until the third round. I mean, and that's – were they the only two to go hitter-hitter first two rounds? Uh, I will pull that so. out for you. Probably. Yeah, I think they were the only two to go. Jeff, Jeff, Jeff was. Um, oh no, actually, yeah, you're right. Jeff took Scherzer first. I can't. 
Let's see. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, they, they were. They definitely were. Yeah. Um, and and look, you know, and look at this being a, a good example of just waiver wire working out in your favor, just making some good management management moves with picking up people. Look at, um, I'm not sure it was minor a pickup. Hold yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, minor was a pickup. No, minor was drafted actually. Really? Minor was drafted. Wow. Well, that was a great great draft pick then. <clears throat> yeah, he did. He did draft him. Uh, but uh, my point was just going to go to look at the two top starters for Hillwood Black Sox were Turnbull and Thornton, both pickups, I believe, and then Soroka just being the difference maker. Yeah, how do you feel about that, Frankie? How do you feel about I'm, Soroka's fifty points? I'm a little little upset. Uh, that I can't clearly make out what is a bright red uh, bubble on a sheet of paper next to someone's <laughs> name when I'm looking at their uh, Fantrax uh, profile. Yeah, that's heartbreaking because um, he looks super legit. <laughs> so I'd be pissed yeah. if I was. So you. just hope his shoulder falls off, right? Now. <laughs> um, no, yeah, that, that's the thing. He's. I've always liked uh, watching him. He just had a couple injuries. Um, yeah, yeah, he's, he's been ridiculous. I mean, he's looking like uh, like as good as Paddock is looking right now over on the Padres. But um, what was I going to say? Um, just, uh, yeah, Jeremy picking up uh, Gio Gonzalez even, just, you know, making making some pretty, you know, wise decisions in terms of just working the wire and trying to look at who's out there. Because we were saying this, I think, yesterday or today, Lewis, just like, you know, it, it may, we're such a competitive and deep league but you can find people out there still. Yeah, you can always point. find people. I picked up Martin, Martin uh, Perez the other day, um, and you know who, who knows what's going on there. I mean, it seems like some of it's legit, but just to have that and then just be able to start the week off, you know, with a nice uh, uh, bunch of points from him or something. Like you know, there, there's people, uh, there's people out there, and there know, were signs that he team. that he could be reliable because he had like a three five eight FIP, I think it was out when you picked him up, on waivers. And so even though his ERA might not have showed it, he was pitching pretty well. And you grabbed him. So good on you. Um, so who else Who else stood out to you guys in this matchup? Uh, Joey Gallo. Yeah. Having only four strikeouts. Yeah. And, you know, and seven walks. <laughs> Is Gallo, you know, ma- making some adjustments? I feel like he's year? probably evolving somewhat as a hitter. Um, it's what his third or fourth year in the league, I think. Something like that, yeah. But I mean, it's not it's not shocking that a, a player would improve their plate discipline after a couple of years. And if Gallo's doing that, then that's really amazing because that was always his biggest flaw in his game. Um, the other hitter that I wanted to point out is Michael Chavis, who who Jeremy picked up and destroyed <laughs> destroyed it this year, thirty seven and a half points. Um, cool. not this year, this week. Um. But yes, <laughs> he might. He might. Three homers. Um, a five to nine uh, walk to strikeout ratio is not bad at all for a rookie. Yeah, he's he's looking like the Devers of of, of a bit of last year. The Devers I that mean, was promised. <laughs> the, the, the prince. <laughs> uh, he. Yeah, I mean, it looks like he might have been the shot. In the, he might be the shot in the arm that Boston kind of needed in general to get going. Um, because it feels like over the past like week or two, they've kind of gotten back on track. But also, just Arenado. I mean, I I know you didn't like. We weren't too high on Arenado. I wasn't too high on Arenado this year. But 
man, he just is is killing it, or killed it this week. Yeah, he's a great player, and the reason I was not high on Arenado was not because I don't think he has his potential. He definitely does. It's just Arenado strikes me kind of that, he strikes me as that high floor guy, where I think his ceiling might be a bit lower than some other players. Um, and when you're when you're going with a first round pick, I feel like it's important to get those high ceiling guys. Typically, that ends up being pitchers when I'm looking at it. Um, but Arenado was not a bad pick. I just yeah, I mean, and we were seeing like per what what Havre was able to calculate that third base was doing really shitty overall this year. So to have a third baseman kind of lock in there, who's uh, as safe a bet as you can get is not a bad way to, to start off the draft yeah. in that perspective. On top of that, Gary Sanchez and Anthony Rizzo, who he also picked pretty early, those guys dominated this week. Um, yeah, Rizzo turned it on, and and Sanchez has just been doing at what what, is, what Prime Sanchez does, which is is either, you know, he's either just going to be swinging, he's going to be swinging for the fences every time he goes out there, and it's going to connect. Uh, sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, but I mean, this matchup was great. It's a hard luck loss for Nick, but you got to just look at a week like this and try not to see it that you lost, but to try to see it that your team dominated. Guys like Matt Boyd kept performing. It, he's just he's an ace this year. Yeah, Matt Boyd he's is insane. an ace. He's great, and the advanced numbers support it. So, is we'll talk about Matt Boyd later in this. I mean, I'm. Is there anything else for this matchup you guys want to highlight? Or do you want uh, to? Yeah, yeah. Or just, just, uh, yeah, go for it, Daniel. Just, uh, Nick being one and four coming off an excellent week. I mean, right now, Jeremy's in, in the sixth seed right now at two and three. I mean, it's, it's very jumbled, um, you know, and I feel like a lot of us made ground on, um, Mike Columbo this week. I mean, I still think Columbo has a very good team. You know, it's not to say that his team is going to falter and move there. Um, I would still definitely have him as the, probably the third best team right now. Who would you have um, as the first best team, Daniel? Um, probably the St. Mark's Sly Sleepers. I think they. Uh, <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. I would not have expected I mean, any less. That's a good way to do it. It's like crap. You know, you got to always say that you're. Yeah, you, if you're not first, you're last. You know. Um, uh, I think yeah, it's a good way to conclude this overview. But Lewis, you're, 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 you know, if you can't, there's not much I can say to there to you and Justin not being the top two. I mean, I think you're both at what 300 more points than everyone else. Yeah, Justin almost okay. tied it up. So yeah, we're pretty no, much I mean, even. Yeah, we can we can conclude this overview by saying that it's just so competitive. It's so close right now, and like, and because of that, that closeness, it's just it's come down to the wire. A few matchups. I lost by one point in one, and then pulled it out of my ass for another. So it's any you know we're, we're all still in this for sure. The year is so long, and yeah. we all have a really good chance, and have all been performing you know pretty well overall. Yeah, I mean so. after after this week, we'll be a third into the regular season. There's so much time left. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean this was a great week for both of these teams. Hopefully they both keep it up. Hopefully Nick doesn't do too well this week because I'm facing him. But hey, Nick, you do deserve a win. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> so yeah, let's let's pivot to to some interesting name game, ranking, all that juicy stuff. Um, Daniel, you, you had... You made it to the good part, too. <laughs> <laughs> I should put a, a marker if you, if you want to skip go-to. Maybe I'll do that. Like Pornhub. 
<laughs> My man. <laughs> so, yeah, Daniel, I know you had prepared a bunch of stuff because you're a, a wonderful guest. So do you want to – Do you want to uh, – get- yeah, sure. It's just something we had touched on before um, is the top 20 starting pitchers. Yeah, um, and I, I had asked you before the show uh, to prepare because I was going to ask you for your specific top 20 list woo! of starting pitchers for the rest of the season as of right now. Okay, so um, so I kind of – I guess I didn't – I didn't do it with the mindset. Not not for the rest of the season. Your top so I did, twenty I just did starting it. I did pitchers. My top twenty starting. This is just my top twenty starting pitchers in general, and it's going to what it's going to lead into though is um, what I have prepared is kind of a different conversation of which guys that were clearly left off because of small sample size. Do you see as those potential top twenty guys for next? You know or even later in the second half of this year or next year, right, or just right. continuous top 20 guys later on. So um, why don't so, you tell us your top 20, and then we can check out those those guys that just missed okay. it. Sure. Here we go. Right. I'm going to have go, to... I'm gonna go uh, from, from 1 to 20. Uh, I that, think that's, that makes sense. You'll see, you'll see why I believe that's the better order. All right, I'm going to see how this matches up with Lewis's. Okay, so my number one, I'm sure we will differ here. I have Jacob DeGrom. Okay. I do. I think. I think he just maybe went through a. You know, he he was literally perfect last year. I mean, you know, you you think that every pitcher has those bad games where you know they all they'll give up runs. I mean, this guy had thirty something straight quality starts. Um, I definitely, in my opinion, the most deceiving fastball in the league um, right now. Uh, I just think he's. He's the best pitcher, um, and I, I I like the way I moves. <laughs> I, I think he I think in comparison, you know, I guess for his age, I think he has more mileage on his arm than the average thirty-one year old, thirty-two year old. I do think he's going to be good for another four or five years at least. Um, so I I definitely see him as the best right now. Second, I have Max Scherzer, um, and you know, this is kind of Someone who, you know, fantasy wise, every year is the best or second best pitcher. And, you know, I might not, you know, if we want to get into that whole big game ordeal that I, I kind of just discussed on the, the big thread big and all daddies. that. The big, uh, I don't know if Scherzer's, you know, the best guy there, but I definitely think, you know, it's just, he's been incredible for Washington. I mean, they gave him an insane contract, and, you know, Washington's been very disappointing consistently year in and year out and he's really not the cause of that and you know the fact that he just kind of goes out there pitches his game all the time I really I put him too number three I have Justin Verlander who's probably my favorite of these these guys I just he's just an incredible Hall of Fame career kind of just just had a resurgence between getting engaged to Kate Upton and traded to Houston <laughs> and just when he's on, it's just really tough. Um, Verlander, I've seen dominate the Yankees, also just time in and time out. He kills us. Um, but you know, if you watch it, yeah, if you watch it enough, you know, you just gotta respect it. It's he does it in just such a beautiful way. Um, yeah. So you're Four, top three matched up so far. That you just switched Verlander and Degrom. Right, right, right. And I think this fourth one is where we're going to disagree. I have fourth. I have Clayton Kershaw. Um, and 
I know he had that injury. I know that there's there's it's difficult to to really see you know what he is and you know what project what he's going to be from here on out. You know he might be on the downward uh, trend of his career, but he's just been so great uh, for for so long, and he's really come come out from that injury and looked like Clayton Kershaw. I mean, I know he didn't have a great start his last start, but he still pitched a quality start. Um, I still think he's just excellent. And that's more, I guess, when you hear the next guys, I just think Kershaw's, what he's done, his sample size, I just trust him more going forward. And I think he's, you know, who he was in the past is who he will be going forward. Um, you know, maybe not the 21-3 and three guy, but I still think he's going to finish the year with 15 wins at least. Uh, and all that, sub-3 ERA as well. I have Chris Sale at 5. Um, I don't like Chris Sale. Um, you know, as a as a player, I, I'm i concerned about Chris Sale from just his unnatural, unnatural motion. Um, you know, the September fatigue has happened to him before. I mean, he was probably, what, he was, the, was he the second best pitcher last year? Um, for, for almost the the whole season, he was. Um, I'm not sure if he finished up that way. I mean, he's Degrom. He's Degrom probably. Uh, Degrom Scherzer was probably one and two. Right, right, right. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, so he's probably he's probably third. Anyway, he's an ace. He's he's incredible, and I think his I think he's going to have at some point that streak where he's absolutely unhittable for five straight starts. He kind of has those, you know. He gets strikeouts quicker than anyone. You know, I can't tell you how many times I'll see a Chris Sale line where it's four, 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 two thirds innings with ten, eleven strikeouts already. You're just like, yeah. So just you to know. just to clarify, um, when you're ranking these guys, you're saying that if we drafted right now, this is the order you would take them in. So you would take Chris Sale over all these remaining guys. You take Kershaw over Sale and all the rest of the guys. Correct. If we were to do this, is if we were to do the draft right now, redo it right now. This right. is okay. my right. Okay. Good. Order. good. 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 Okay. Okay. So the next six-ish or so guys are almost indistinguishable to me, but I had to rate them anyway. So you'll be happy with this one. I have Garrett Cole as next. Then I have Blake Snell, who I know some people don't believe in based off his Cy Young year last year. Um, I think I, I tend to like players who are more of a master of one than jack of all trades. Uh, he he just has a great out pitch. He see he's very deceptive when he was on. Um, you know he's he's more than capable of pitching just zero one hitters consistently. So I I like Blake Snell uh, as six. Sorry, as seven right after Cole at six. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I have I have Aaron Nola um, as my next guy. Might be a little bit biased there, um, not because he's on my team. Just I, I like the, I love watching the way he pitches. Um, he's kind of a more he has. There's no power to his pitching. He he relies solely on movement. Um, I do believe you know while, you know he might not be as good as as certain guys. I think he's going to be better than he has been. Um, I think a very a very under the radar thing that stats might not quite get is just a transitioning catcher. Um, even if a catcher is good as real, to correct me if I'm wrong, is a very good defensive catcher. 
Yeah, uh, I think we and, um, and it ju- it just does take time to develop a a rapport with a catcher, and so you know, I definitely in the couple of Nola starts I've seen, uh, it might just just it just looked a little different. Uh, he wasn't getting a couple calls um, and such, but I think he'll be better. Then, and like I said, I have these next couple guys like right around the same as Nola, so it's. They're almost all indistinguishable. But the next three, I have Bauer, Syndergaard, Kluber. Uh, like I said, I like Corey Kluber more than more than you all do. Um, I know this is all assuming he didn't have that injury to his arm. Uh, you know, once again, these these guys all have one or one or two just incredible pitches that they've been able to use over a period of time to get outs. Bauer has arguably the best curveball in the league. Syndergaard, just a great power pitcher with excellent control, uh, and Kluber with the cutter. Uh, once again, I, it's hard to distinguish, to differentiate between from Cole to Kluber. Next, I have Jose Barrios. I know you all had the, that debate on, about Corbin Barrios, and I was kind of listening to it screaming like, Barrios, Barrios! <laughs> I, I really was on that Barrios train. Um, once again, you know, Maybe maybe this is like uh, the the player in me or what I what I used to play and such, but I, I saw Barrios this year at Citizens Bank Park against the Phillies, and he just looked so good. I mean, the Phillies were not hitting anything; they weren't squaring up anything until a Hoskins home run, and he he just uh, I do believe that he's the ace of the next four or five years for the Twins. I think he's was an excellent pick by Jeremy in the third round. Uh, definitely. I would put him in that. Uh, I know you're talking about one A, one B, one B tier. I would definitely put Barrios in that one B tier. Um, then I have Carlos Carrasco. Uh, then I have Luis Castillo. Now here's one that I don't think y'all agree with too much, but I really have liked this guy the last couple of years. I wanted him as a sleeper last year. Didn't get him. I wasn't sure how he'd be this year, but he's very good. And that is Charlie Morton. I think consistently okay. undervalued. I, you know, I think the Rays do. I don't know what they do, but they just do a good job with their pitching staff. Maybe Kevin Cash as a catch career catcher just does something with them. But they just really seem to handle their pitching staff. He's had no problems. You know, it seems to start in Tampa. Um, then I have Madison Bumgarner, and I think Bumgarner is someone who, by the end of the year, might not be top thirty anymore, but also could shoot up the list. What are we at now? Fifteen. We're at uh, this is sixteen. Is okay. Bumgarner? Uh, unless I counter Brog. No, he. Uh, yeah, he's sixteen. Um, Bumgarner is very intriguing. Uh, if we look at uh, the most the trade deadline coming up. Uh, you know, there's a lot of talk that contenders are going to push for a guy like Bob Gardner with playoff experience, with you know who he's been as a career pitcher. He's been very durable, other than that bike injury he's had. So I could see Gar- Bob Gardner having a a resurgence um, if he gets traded to another team. You know, I think his time in San Francisco has done the Giants look like they're in full rebuild. I mean, they did nothing this offseason to make themselves better. They ended up getting Kevin Pillar so that they wouldn't completely <laughs> suck. And he's been fine with them, but I mean, they're, they're really full rebuilds. Next, I have Mike Clevenger. 
uh, a pitcher I really like. Uh, I think he's, you know, he just he he's looked good every time I've seen him, and uh, his numbers back it up. So don't really have much more to say there. I haven't seen him too much, uh, but in the amount I've seen him, he's very good. I think a healthy Clevenger might be top ten. I just didn't rank him in mine because he's hurt. Um, but yeah, no, I. I don't think, yeah, I don't think that's a crazy statement. I mean, he's, he's a very good player. Yeah. So then, uh, then I have Walker Bueller, who's underachieved a lot this year. Uh, but I loved Walker Bueller coming into this year. I, I had him as, I wouldn't have taken him in the first two rounds. Uh, I loved when Ben got him. Oddly enough, I loved the, uh, Bueller pick did not like the Corbin pick and, They've kind of been reversed so far, so I was very wrong there. But I still think by the end of the year, Bueller is going to be uh, in that one B category again. I think you know, he's, yeah, he's there's a very still good so much time. I and can see him coming off a great start too. Right, and uh, he's you know right now I have him at eighteen, but he's another guy I can see shooting up that list at some point. Next, I I have Luis Severino, um, a very difficult. Uh, you know, I he was he was. Arguably, you know the 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 Cy Young guy, the first half of last year, and I don't know what happened. I mean, he's clearly kind of injured right now. But I mean, this was a guy that yeah, he has a live, just live, very live pitches um, when he's on. I mean, obviously the Yankees are the team I watch more than anyone. Uh, so he, you know, I once again kind of in that category of might not be a top thirty guy by the end of the year. But, you know, if he comes back healthy, has a strong second half of the year, could just be just an incredible player for Frankie coming down the stretch if he can hold off that. Ready for number 20? Yeah. Probably probably long overdue, I was going to say. How Zach Ranky has not been mentioned mentioned is insane to me. But uh, what's your reasoning for putting him at 20? Um, He... He still has that front line. I think I, I, I guess I could talk about where I underrated Zach Greinke. Is I've, huh? Where do I? Where does my apology start, uh, Lewis? <laughs> well, I, I, um, I don't think that whatever. I'll, I'll preface it is that I don't really think there's going to be any apology because you're putting him at twenty, which I, I would, so. So Granky's biggest pitfall is that he throws an 89 to 90 mile an hour fastball. Um, right. The reason that Granky has great success is because he has so many secondary off-speed pitches, which he mixes up a lot. He constantly keeps hitters off their feet. Um, when those secondary pitches aren't working, you see a game like the first start of, of the year that he had where he just has to throw his fastball over the plate and gets hammered for it because hitters can sit on the 89 mile an hour fastball and blast it. Which I have no problem with you uh, discounting Granky because of his poor fastball velocity. But what's interesting is that you don't take that into account when assessing uh, Clayton Kershaw, whose fastball velocity is all the way down to 90.2 miles an hour, which is the lowest it's ever been, um, 0.7 miles an hour lower than it was last year. Um, and when Kershaw was at his peak, he was averaging a 93-mile-an-hour fastball. Right, and, and to kind of piggyback off that, uh, I remember I actually took Cranky a couple years back, and, when he, and he was very good. I got him in like the sixth or seventh round, and I know there was like concern about his dip in velocity um, in spring training. So I guess I'm kind of 
going back on on what what I did a couple years ago. But yeah, the secondary stuff. I mean, he he gets a lot of strikeouts and doesn't walk a lot of people. He, he's very in command. Um, you know, he gives up runs here and there, but overall, um, you know, he's been uh, other than that first start. He's consistently kept the ball in the ballpark. So what um, is it that teams. makes you that makes you value him lower than a guy like even Walker Bueller, who only has you know seventy five percent of a season under his belt? Uh, just just uh, that he's on my I team. Bueller Bueller's ceiling is just higher. I think he's on the he's on the rise. I think he's underachieved this year. I mean, I truly believe okay Bueller Bueller is a an ace in the making. Um, so. You know, it's it's more just I think Bueller is going to continue to to improve. I mean, he he has potential to be one of the best pitchers in the league. It's okay. excitement That's, for him. I'm sorry. It's excitement. Yeah, it's excitement for him. Uh, I just yeah, from what I've seen of him, he's been impressive. Okay, I feel like Granky was a top ten pitcher last year, but um, I could be wrong. I don't have that in front of me. But I my uh, my gut fact checker. my gut reaction is that I think you're just not looking into Granky past that that one really bad season he had with the Diamondbacks the first year he was there. But um, I mean he's just going to have to continue to prove you wrong. There's no other way, you know. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what he. I'm curious how he how he continues the season. I'm curious how the the Diamondbacks as a team really continue. I mean I. Dave, Dave, been the biggest surprise to me this year in terms of I thought I thought they were going to be you know one of those teams in full rebuild mode when they traded away Goldschmidt. I mean, Weaver and Carson Kelly are you know were major league ready players. It's not like they got some young international prospect that could turn out to be a superstar. You know, they got pro a pro ready pitcher in Weaver and uh, you know catcher in Kelly, but I really just did not think they'd be at the at the point they're at uh, so yeah uh, so before before frankie to, has to, uh, to the diamondbacks before frankie's got to go run off and eat dinner um <laughs> let's go into yeah. let's go into those that next tier of pitchers that you had some questions about and uh, so so yeah something i kind of want to do is i made a list of 10 pitchers and these are pitchers that did not go into my top 20 because of low sample size uh, but I do, I do think that you know they've. I mean, they've a lot of them have been you know top five pitchers this year so far, uh, you know. And so I do, I do, I kind of want to just list them off, and I want us to each give our top three. Um, and you know, I have a list of ten here. Um, I have a note that I notably left off uh, a couple pitchers of my top twenty. Jack Flaherty being one of them, and I'm going to add Jack Flaherty to this list. So we're going to have 11 here. Okay. Yeah, I was going to bring him up, but then I thought that you'd probably be in that in that grouping you have there. Because yeah, he just he, hasn't really had much to show yet. Yeah, I guess I didn't really have him in that initial grouping just because he was taken so high in our draft. I kind of was yeah, comparing him to the yeah. other the other high-end guys, but he's definitely good for this. So I'm going to read them off to you. Ready? Mm-hmm. We have Jack Flaherty. We have Tyler Glass now. We have Zach Davies. Domingo Herman. Matt Boyd. Caleb Smith. Max Freed. Joe Musgrove. Shane Bieber. Luke Weaver. 
and Chris Paddock. So take a couple seconds to think about that. Wait, did you but, have Caleb Smith on there or no? Did I what? Yeah. Did you have I Caleb? Caleb Smith. Oh, okay, I didn't hear him. Yeah, sorry, Caleb Smith. Um, so yeah, if you need any repeats, let me know. But uh, take a couple seconds. I and we're, uh, we're, what are we doing here? We're ranking them. We're just right, picking our right, top you three. Know, I rank them. Just give me your top three. Top three. Uh, who okay. you who you'd want of these three for the rest of the year? All right, I'm I'm going over in my head about like process of elimination first, like who I would take out of that grouping. Right. Can you read them again one more time? Sure. One more time. We have Jack Flaherty, Tyler Glasnow, Zach Davies, Domingo Herman, Matt Boyd, Caleb Smith, Max Freed, Joe Musgrove, Shane Bieber, Luke Weaver, Chris Paddock. So I think for me, I have to put Flaherty in there. Um... Because he's not going to have an innings limit, and he has immense upside. And like you said, a lot of his starts have been him throwing one bad pitch, giving up a homer, and uh, getting that quality start taken away from him. So I'm going to put Flaherty in there. I'm probably next going to put Shane Bieber in there. Um, He's been really good. He has really good stuff. Uh, Great command. So I like his floor. And then the third one is really difficult. Um, I think that Chris Paddock and Caleb Smith and Matt Boyd are probably... Oh, and and Tyler Glasnow are the four guys that I would be choosing between there. Um, And they all have good peripheral numbers. They all have innings limit concerns. So they're kind of all in the exact same boat. Um... I'll take Caleb Smith just because I have him, and I'll, I'll hold it down for my boy. What, what's your argument against Domingo Herman not being part of the conversation? Uh, I don't know. I guess it's more of a gut thing. I can look into him more right now, but I don't think of Domingo Herman in that same tier. I think of him in the next tier. Um, His FIP is a juicy 2.67. Is it? Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's great. Domingo Herman was very up and down last year, so maybe it's just those big blow-ups that I'm scared of. But yeah, honestly, I, think, I think the guys that you didn't mention, including him, have question marks, and I think that that was a good list. That's a good list right there. Um, and just because, like, we're like, is Matt Boyd legitimate? Uh, is um, like Herman because of his past blow-ups? Is he legitimate? Class now is kind of scary. Just you never like going in. Going into this year, he looked terrible, and then all of a sudden he was performing like he was at the end of last year. So um, there's factors like that. I mean, I think I think I would just swap out. You said Caleb Smith is your last guy? Yeah. I think I would just swap out Paddock, and I would agree with you on the first so, two. So you'd have Flaherty, Bieber, and Paddock? Yeah. Or, yeah, I mean, I can't really argue with that. Paddock uh, outdueled Jacob Degrom last night and looks amazing. So Paddock has that. I think going back to the first episode, he has the big dick energy. <laughs> he has the. He he, he was uh, dominating the Mets last night and just was getting so hyped, and you could just see that he has that competitive kind of spirit and just like the mentality that you need, which which uh, I just like seeing stuff like that. Watching a pitcher. I mean, it's one thing to be just super calm and composed through good and bad, but just to get really hyped about 
everything and just to be an emotional pitcher is, I think, um, also just a huge plus and or a huge tell at least into like what drives them. So, um, yeah, I like watching that. Daniel, so. what would your top three be from that? All right. Well, the obviously the only reason I did this was just so I could put Zach Davies number one. <laughs> great for me. With his no, but he he honestly would be probably my bottom three on this list. I mean, I'm I'm thrilled with what he's been doing. Zach Davies, if you're listening to this, uh, keep keep it up, buddy. Dude, um, Zach, Zach Davies is at the league. bottom of this list, and it's not close. Yeah, it's okay. not. Zach Davies, just so, for the record, has a five one seven Sierra. It, that's bad. Well, he's averaging 14 fantasy points. That's just that's the number that matters. Um, but pretty much for, everyone you named has is just an exciting young player in the league who has some at least one distinguishable quality that makes them stick out as a potential ace in the future. But Davies has been in the league a bit. Zach Davies K nine is five point eight. Yeah, and is not is not striking anybody out. All right. All right. Well, uh, so I'm gonna. I'll get to my li- my list. Um, so I guess my number one. Uh, I definitely have to right now. I just got to go with Chris Paddock as my number one. Um, I, you know, he if he can avoid injuries, um, I do truly believe he's San Diego's future ace uh, in in a pitcher's ballpark. Mind you, beautiful ballpark for anyone that's never been to Petco Park. I would recommend it um it's definitely the nicest park i've been i knew to. that was coming as but uh <laughs> but yeah no it's it's uh i i just believe in his stuff he dominated through the minor leagues he really hasn't had a hiccup and you know he's going to have a hiccup so we'll see how he handles adversity um whether it's soon or later down down the line in the year um but i i do truly believe he's going to be at the forefront of a a soon to be competing padres team so I I have Paddock as my number one right now. For for kind of similar reasons, I have Jack Flaherty as number two. Um, I don't I didn't know what to make of him. You know, a lot of things I read. Uh, you know, he was on my radar this year, uh, but I was stunned that he went in the second round. Uh, you know, and it comes down to if you like the guy, you got to take him. Yeah. Um, I if honestly, if you had told me. Uh, Clevenger would have gone fifth in the third round, and uh, or if you had told me Clevenger and uh, Flaherty went to the same team in the second and third round, I would have thought Clevenger was the second round. Yeah, and Flaherty third. Um, but he is a young pitcher on a good team. Also has that same potential to be a ace for a World Series caliber team. Um, has just a lot of strikeout strikeout potential. Uh, he walks. People who correct me if I'm wrong. I know he walks some people against the Cubs, but generally has good control. Um, I know he's a high strikeout guy, uh, but definitely just from what I've seen, I put him second. Yeah, third I think is is actually tough for me, and you know I'm leaning towards. It's kind of tough for me between Glasnow and Boyd. Um, I Caleb Smith's been impressive. You know, you can't take that away from him. I just. I don't know if I buy it quite yet, uh, just because his it kind of seems a little bit more out of nowhere. Um, I don't know that I, you know. I saw a pitch with the Yankees, and I thought he was better than his numbers showed. Um, so you know, he might be he might be good. He might be the Marlins' future ace and all that. But 
you know, kind of being on the Marlins, seeing, you know, teams are still getting used to him. Um, has he had a full season? I know he was injured. Uh, so, so his thing last year was he was up and down. He had some amazing starts. He had a couple of bad ones sprinkled in, but then he got hurt. Um, and then I don't think he came back and pitched at all after his injury. And then in the preseason, he looked pretty good. I I liked him just because he struck out. Like, his K-9 is ridiculous. But he gets a lot of strikeouts. Yeah. He, he is a he's difficult to pick up. Clearly, I think he had a lot of he pitched well against the Cubs tonight. Yeah, uh, the the marquee matchup of Caleb Smith John Lester was a it seems like a wash. Uh, it's two two in the seventh. Yeah, is Smith still in? No, I know they took Lester out after six. Um, uh, I gotta go. I'm sorry, guys. No worries. No, no problem. Enjoy. Uh, yeah, so I'll go. I'll go. I'll take. Uh, you know, for now, I guess I gotta go class, class now. Uh, just from what I've seen as my third. Um, but yeah, I think I would, I would, you know, it's it's very close between him and the next couple. You know, you could make an argument for, even for Max Max Freed. You know, I wouldn't really consider Musgrove, Herman, Davies. Um, I, I like Weaver and Beaver, but uh, I don't know if I was really considering them in my top three. That's fair. Yeah, I think it's a really good list because almost all, I I'm not a big Davies guy, but I would say that most of the guys that you mentioned uh, have something that points towards them being legit and I think that the biggest drawback for most of those guys is like you said the small sample size and then you know a product of that being is there going to be an innings limit but Hogbro mentioned last time like you know to support Glasno, you could show that he switched to a curveball and you know maybe his success is predominantly based on his new curveball I, I don't know um, yeah, really, uh, really developing a new pitch is something that uh I mean, it changes. It changes things, you know. Uh, you know, kind of if a pitcher can just reinvent themselves in the right way, you know, even if it's changing a grip on the same pitch, um, you know, certain small small adjustments. I mean, they can change everything. Yeah. Um, before we wrap up, I think it would be interesting if we talked a little bit about hitters. We spent a lot of time on these podcasts talking about pitchers, which I love. I think it's the most fun thing to analyze. Um, but I think we don't give hitters enough uh, airtime. So sure. if you had to pick the top three let, – let's just go by position. If you had to pick the top three catchers right now, do you know who you would pick? Or? Uh, definitely Contreras and Real Muto. Yeah. Um, it's a little – I mean, uh, yeah, Sanchez probably. Yeah, no, it's Sanchez? Pretty, pretty straightforward. Yeah, okay. those three. How about first baseman? A little tougher. Um, I'd probably go Bellinger, Freeman, uh, Rizzo. I, I still got to go with Rizzo. You know, he, he's got off to slow starts, but he always, at the end of the year, you look at it and he's had another 30 hundred year. Yeah. Um, I, I just think he, you know, but it's it's close. You know, you could definitely argue Goldschmidt. I mean, he's he's kind of been, had some bad weeks. Um, it's crazy how good also, first base has been. Also, he, he always ends up as a 330-100 guy with it, or that's what he was with Arizona, you know, and I think he'll be a great player with St. Louis for a lot of years. So I feel like, yeah, I feel like um, Goldie's going to have a good year, but it's interesting because first base is so deep that right now Goldie is the 17th best first baseman. <laughs> It's right yeah. now the best two are it's Cody Bellinger, you know, way ahead of the pack. Yeah, yeah, he's ahead of everyone. The second and third are Reese Hoskins and Joey Gallo right now, which is interesting. Then you've got right. Rizzo, Hunter Dozier, Freddie Freeman, and Carnacion. 
those are the top yeah. seven. Yeah, it's super and interesting. I, I mean, as good as as no, as good as Hoskins and Gallo have been, I still say I take Freeman and Rizzo over them. I agree the with that. The yeah, I, I agree with that. It's just really crazy how many good first basemen there have been. Um, right. How about second base? Um, I mean Altuve. Um, I would take you know I know he's Savage isn't great right now, but he just does a lot of good things. Doesn't strike out. Gets on base, gets stolen bases, and honestly, he showed some power this year. So I, I still gotta say he's he's my number one. Um, I, I'm curious where does where does a uh, Brandon Lau rank on second baseman right now? He's the sixth best right now. Um, who, who are the top ones? Top five. So the first best is Whit Merrifield. Um, it's close though. So Whit Whit has 140. Javi Baez has 130. Ketel Marte has 123. Ozzy Albies has 122 and a half. Yon Mankata has 111. And then, I mean, it's tough because so many of these guys are, you know, they actually play other positions. In the, I mean, Cattell's been mostly an outfielder. Um, Baez has played shortstop, I think, every game. I mean, I love it. I hope they never get second and third base taken away. But, uh, I mean, he's he's been a shortstop. So, uh I think you can rank him though, like for the purposes of it. I think that's fair to rank. rank. I mean, yeah, I would, I would definitely. I mean, but I, I, I would. Then I probably have to go Altuve, Merrifield, Baez. Then if that's yeah, if I, that's how we're doing it. I think I that's mean, a Mary, good Merrifield's been great. Frankie can tell you uh, if you were still here. I've been trying to trade Frankie for <laughs> what Merrifield. What have you been um, offering Frankie? <laughs> uh, I've been, I've been trying to trade him. You know, kind of like a well, position player and pitcher for. Maryfield, you know, someone like Mancini, I've offered him a couple times. Gotcha. Um, but I've offered Mancini to a couple people, so no one's really been biting. <laughs> no one seems to have a desire for Trey Mancini. I mean, but it's, I mean, it's been, hard, it's yeah, good for me because whenever you pick up a guy off waivers and then try to spin him for his like actual current value, it's it's so hard to make that happen. Oh, fun, fun fact! I guess while we're, while we're on this, uh, yeah, I remember I was mentioned. Uh, I me- I messaged a group about like trading. A starting pitcher for the first baseman or outfield, and then me and Nick made that trade right away. And it's interesting because we had kind of, we had been discussing a trade prior uh, for for about a week or so. Involved, it was always for Josh Bell from him because he had Goldschmidt and Chris Davis, so he didn't really have a place to play Josh Bell unless people had off. But the initial trade was Cattell Marte for. Josh Bell, and I'm very happy that it worked out the way it had, and I gave away Waka instead. Yeah, that's interesting. Because um, Marte heated up. I mean, he's had a bad week so far this week, but he he had a really great week for me last week. Marte's so. definitely been better than Waka so far. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. No, I'm not gonna no, complain crazy. that that didn't happen. Um, and so yeah, so I guess after I sent that, Nick Nick messaged me. He's like, "Wait, you to trade a starting pitcher?" I was like, "Yeah, sure." I was like, "You want Waka?" <laughs> he's like, "Sure." <laughs> <laughs> So, so it worked out. Yeah, right. um, but yeah, so so those are, I guess, three second basemen. Shortstop, it's interesting. You know, I'm sure t- is Tim Anderson probably the number one right now? Um, for shortstop, it's Paul DeJong or Paul DeYoung. He's one point. So one point separates DeYoung and Adalberto Mondesi. Those are the top two. Javi Baez at three, Bregman at four, Trevor Story at five. Cattell Marte, Elvis Andrews, Tim Anderson is eighth, Bogart's ninth, Eduardo Escobar tenth. Yeah, I mean it's a little tough because yeah, once again, a lot of guys have that that versatility. 
Um, you know, I mean, in the end, I I truly believe Francisco Lindor is the best shortstop in the league right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I I do think um, you know I don't know if I would have taken him when Nick took him with the injury, but I do believe that he's just he's the best. He does everything. Um, you know, he was a potential first round pick if he didn't start the year on the IL. So yeah, uh, I think for the rest of the year, if I had to take one shortstop, I'd probably go go uh, go him. Um, I, I like Javi Baez, obviously, from my own standpoint, but uh, I don't know if I'd, you know, I already put him at second base, so I'd yeah, say not, not, not Carlos Correa. I'll go with that. <laughs> He's screwed me over You're learning. a couple years now. How about Bregman? Or is Bregman a third baseman to you? Uh, I mean, if, if we're talking about just based on eligibility, he's definitely top three. Um, I mean, I see him as more of a third baseman. Just from this, he's probably probably a second or third third baseman. Um, but yeah, in this, in the, I mean, he can be. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think you also from from a fantasy perspective, you also got to consider Trevor Story to be top three. I mean, he plays in Colorado, but that's not his fault from a fantasy perspective, and he's been very good so far this year. Yeah. He probably he's probably gonna finish the year with the most home runs of any I mean, shortstop. Cores is great for hitters, so yeah, that's oh yeah, that's good. Um, I, it's also interesting to note that Justin, who didn't take a shortstop until what round was it for Justin? Until the he took in the nineteenth and twentieth rounds, he took Adalberto and Elvis Andrus, and they are the second best and the seventh best. Uh, Andrews killed me when I played Justin. Andrews had a whole run like every day when I played yeah, Justin. They've been amazing. Um, yeah, he's been really good. He's definitely. I mean, Texas in general, that lineup, they seem to, you know, every year they're one of the best lineups and one of the worst pitching staffs. So yeah. it seems like this year is really no different other than Mike Miner's amazing year. All right, so how about third baseman? Who would you take top three? Uh, uh, I would go Arenado one, um, Bregman probably two. Uh, Jose Ramirez, I guess. Okay. I mean, he's he's not been that great this year so far. Yeah, he's been pretty underwhelming so far. But one guy yeah, who has, I mean, he got hurt. He just came back, but who looks like he could, you know, break out into like that first second round tier is uh, Anthony Rendon. I know he's got the contract here, but he's averaging four and a half points uh, a game right now, which is no, yeah, he's point. a very good player. Uh, I could definitely see that. Um, he's been good for a while now too. Yeah, he does get hurt. You know, but yeah, he's he's a good hitter. And then for outfield, would you still would you still keep it uh, Trout Betts as your first two? Would you put Yelich up there? If yeah, I'd probably have. I honestly probably have to go with those three as my top three. Um, Betts is yeah. I mean, I guess it maybe. Ooh, I don't know. Would I put more? Would I put Martinez ahead of Yelich? Probably not. I think you have um, to put Yelich above Betts. Yeah, right now we got it. Um, yeah. I mean, definitely this year. You, you put him ahead of Trout so far this year. But. Yeah, but I mean, like, if we were going to draft right now, it would probably still go Trout. I'm and I, I, honestly, if we were to draft right now, though, I'd probably take Betts over him still. Um, so really? I guess from that state, if we're going to do the redraft standpoint. I would, I would uh, take Yelich over I, Betts right now. You would? Yeah, yeah. Just because it looks like Yelich is a better version of Betts right now. Not to say Betts is bad. Betts is still having a good season. But Yelich, is ha- like, Yelich just looks like that second half last year is, is actually who he is now. 
I don't know. I mean, he's he's been a, he was even when he was at the Marlins, he 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 is a he he's like a top twenty hitter. He yeah. just didn't show the power. Yeah, that he's he has with the Brewers and hey, he's uh, fifteen yeah. homers already. Yeah, I don't know. He's, he's incredible. He, he would repeat his NL MVP if the season ended. I guess Bellinger probably actually, but uh, Bellinger cooled off a little last week, if I'm not mistaken. Well, Bellinger is still the most in terms of points for yeah. at least for hitters. Um, he's got 193. He averages 5.36 a game. Yelich missed some time. He's at 177.5, and he averages 5.32. So they average just about the same. It's a four-hundredths of a point difference between them. So, I mean, they're basically right. the same right now. But yeah, I, de- I definitely think Yelich is going to finish better than Bellinger. Yeah, I agree um, with that. I mean, just hitting in general, um, it's... It's an interesting thing. I think I have been a little bit more observant um, in it this year as to just the difference one hitter's night can make uh, over the span. You know, I guess I've been kind of with with personal life and just working in an office, sometimes being able to follow games during the day or just getting home from work and seeing games at night. You know, I've become more conscious of just the little chip away points that hitters get you. You know, I think I've in past years, I focused way too much on pitching and not just kind of finding those value hitters off waivers. Um, you know, if you look at my team now, I think you know more than half my hitting is is waiver pickups. Um, a lot of that's because of the injuries to Judge and Stanton, but you know, you really can find a lot of value. Yeah, definitely. It's that's always the hardest part of the draft is knowing when a guy falls too far. Like Yelich was taken in the third round this year. And it was because people panicked because so many pitchers were getting taken. And a lot of those pitching picks that they ended up taking have not been that good. So so you have to weigh it. Like, would they rather have had Christian Yelich or, you know, Acuna or Freeman or, uh, you know, Harper, Goldschmidt, Baez, Rizzo? Those guys all went in the third round. Or would they have rather had, you know, a, a Jack Flaherty, uh, Kershaw, Bueller, Syndergaard, Carrasco, um, and I, I don't know what the answer is because a lot of those guys, a lot of those pitchers are, are still nice because they have that ace upside. Um, but at the same time, a guy like Yelich is you know the best out of all the guys I just mentioned. So that's interesting. No, definitely. Uh, we, we, I would love to have Yelich right now instead of you know some of the guys, and I definitely would have taken him if he fell to me in the third. You know, I. I wanted Yelich. I had to go in the first. Um, I definitely learned a lot from drafting in the 12th pick. I don't know if I would do it again. You know, you either have to to reach for guys or or hope that they really just hope that they fall to you. Yeah, so. the the corner picks, the first and the 12th, are always really hard to, to get difficult. a balance. I've, only, I've actually only had the first before, and I've done terrible with it um, yeah. every time. 10th so. wasn't bad, honestly. 10th was pretty nice. Well, my, my best year, oddly enough, in, in the league was when I had the tenth pick. I took, I got Arietta and then Arenado on the back around, which was, you know, it was Arietta the year after he won the Cy Young. Right, so he wasn't as good as the Cy Young year, but he still, still won a lot of games. It was when the Cubs won the World Series. Well, all right, I think uh, we're a little bit, or we're just under the uh, the two hour mark right now. So. Um, Anything else you want to say before we wrap things up? Or? No, um, I we touched on a lot, and uh, you know it was it's fun. It didn't feel like two hours, so I, I was 
I'm glad it just it just kind of goes on and you don't realize how much. And, you know, I feel like if we really want to, we could just talk another two hours. Oh, yeah, so definitely. I, I appreciate you having me on. I look forward to continuing to listen to this yeah, man. And, I mean, um, throughout the year. If you enjoyed it, we'll definitely, you know, have you back. It was great having you. Of course. You. Of course. Right, yeah. No, so, thanks a lot, man. Yeah, no problem. All right. So uh, until next time, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, let us know what you think in the comments. And uh, yeah. All right. Signing off.